Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, kids. Uh, happy Friday to you. Uh, if you're a Calgary Flame, happy Green Garbage Bag Day to you, although nobody really celebrates that. Uh, welcome. It is just a game. Uh, today, my name is Rob Haynes. It'll make sense <laughs> in a second. It really will. Uh, very excited. Uh, we've got uh, two great guests for you. We'll introduce them in just a second here. A reminder, we are uh, broadcasting live from Treaty 7 Territory. And, of course, this is an inclusive program. Everybody's welcome. Love to have you be part of the show with us today. We will be talking about the National Hockey League. We will be talking about the Calgary Flames a little later on. Darren Haynes. See, now it's starting to make sense. Darren Haynes will join us uh, from Canadian Press, formerly of The Athletic, and uh, he's covered this team for a long time. We'll dissect what was said today uh, on the way out. Uh, we will uh, take a look at a couple of other things in and around the National Hockey League. A friend of the program, one of the good guys in sport, Brian Burke, is now out of work. Pittsburgh cleaning house at the top today, so we'll talk about that with Darren Haynes. First of all, we got to let everybody know that our guests are brought to you by Ski Cellar Snowboard. SkiCellarSnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Not just skis and snowboards, keeps you warm every day. If you're going to the mountains, there's still a little bit of the white stuff there. Maybe you're some spring skiing. Get in there. Some great deals. That's SkiCellarSnowboard.com. Uh, let me give you the introduction as if he needs one. Um, our first guest uh, is a Olympian. He is a bronze medalist with Team Canada 2016 in the men's 4x100 at Rio, in Rio. Um, he is a, uh, formerly of the University of Alabama. Uh, he's been around football. Most importantly, though, he is an author of, I believe, three books. I think we're getting there. Uh, motivational speaker uh, and just one heck of a guy and a dear friend, Akeem Haynes, everybody. Uh, so we've got all Haynes's on the program, uh, but the most important one starts us off. How are you, sir? Rob, you know me, man. Always grateful for another day of life, man. And you know, it's real proper in here, Rob, I got to say. Proper? Man, you got, you, you got the background, you got the headphones, you got the mics, you got, it's, it's, it's looking right. Well, the Nation Network takes care of us. I have zero <laughs> complaints. I'm treated better than I deserve to be treated. And here we are in the Oodle Noodle studio, nonetheless, right? Hey, shout out to them, man. Absolutely. Now, you you do this. Like, this is your world, too. You, you, are you doing two podcasts right now? Uh, so, Unscripted, uh, that's the main one. And then I do a sports one with a co-host named Chantel Shan. And we talk a little bit of sports over there, just like how you talk a little bit of sports. Little you know? bit, just little, little bit, tiny. It squeezes <laughs> in every once in a while. Uh, but no, tell me about Unscripted because Unscripted is really that's you, right? This is yeah. the podcast for Akeem. Yeah, I mean, Rob, we've been knowing each other for a while now, yeah. right? And this is a conversation that we've 
probably going to, we've had many times away off air. And so unscripted is that same conversation. You've known me long enough to know that I'm not a guy of fluff. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Like I nope. like to get straight to it. Yeah. And so I wanted unscripted to feel like a conversation that touches the heart not just the body. Right. You know, anybody can come out and say, man, oh, you know, I'm doing great today, but internally you're not feeling great. And so along the journey, I like to know how a person is able to overcome what they go through. Right. right? Like I want to know in this season of your life, like what books were you reading? Like, were you listening to podcasts? Like, Mm -hmm. were you going up in the morning? Because it is those same step-by-step things and practical things that may help somebody, right? right? And so Unscripted is all about having professionals from all walks of life sharing their story and giving practical tips how they overcome their setbacks. How much of it has really kind of been the intersection of sport and society? Uh, it's been quite a bit, man. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, I come from that world, so that's a soft spot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and sports in general, uh, you I mean, you got the classroom champions right there in the background. You <laughs> Absolutely. Know, been, uh, big Steve Messer is my guy, and I've worked with classroom champions. And so there's a lot of practical things that you learn in sport that apply to every single thing in life. Right. And you don't always get cohesiveness and teamwork from other parts, right? So mm-hmm. I think sports really bridges that gap. It, it's been an interesting run, has it not, in that you know, intersection, like the last four years, three or four, I don't know. I think you can go all the way back to what it would have been 2015, the fall of 2015, Colin Kaepernick. Yep. Um, so it's actually better part of a decade now that, <laughs> That's crazy, that, huh? that sport, I mean, it's always been there, but yeah. it just seems like it's been more at the forefront, uh, in the last decade. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things, Rob, where I always felt like the problems are always there, mm-hmm. but do you have enough courage to speak about it? Because there are some things that you talk about that right. you may be delaying your career if you do touch about it, right? But it's like a Band-Aid, man. At some point, you got to take it off and give it time to breathe so it can heal. And so I feel like in the recent 10 years that we've been able to uncover some things, not only in sports, but in everyday life, yep. like, you know, talking about mental health as well, too. That's Absolutely. not something that's not really talked about. But now people are pulling back these covers and these layers to say, you know what, man, maybe there was something there and I shouldn't have brushed over that. You know, so I feel like now we're making progress in the right direction. But stuff like that's always been How there. much of that is by having the conversation? How much of that is by getting the voices and getting the representation into the conversation? You know, there was a uh, quote by, man, uh, Tupac, like a while back, obviously. And he said, man, I may not be able to, to, to fix the whole world, but I might be able to spark the brains of the people that might. And I think that's what mm-hmm. it's about, Rob. If, yeah. if you don't, you can be aware of something, but if you don't talk about it, you won't, you won't even really think too much about it. You'll just let it go. And we know how many thoughts does a person have in one day? A lot. Right. Right. And right. so the more that we're able to act on certain things, we open up that conversation and we can be authentic and then things get real. It doesn't get real necessarily when you're uh, in the midst of it Mm -hmm. because you're just trying to get through in the grind of it, right? You got to do what you got to do. But when you take a moment to step back and to say, you know what, I don't have it today, but here's why. Let's talk about it. Right. What is, you know, the kids that you work with and the young people that are coming up, what are what's your sense of them? What what are you getting from the next generation of athlete? Yeah, it's tough. 
Um, and I say it's tough because they're exposed to a lot more than what we were coming mm-hmm. up. You know, obviously your generation was different. My generation is different. Yeah. But this generation is much different, right? Because you can have access to whatever you want just like that. You go on your phone. You know, a prime example, Rob, you know, uh, working with my little brother, uh, very talented, naturally gifted, yeah. going to be a great athlete. But I remember one time we're working out and I'm like, man, I want you to work on the fundamentals, right? When I throw the football, right, we see it through, catch it, then we take off. Yep. Rob, it's man trying to do one-handed catches every single catch. I'm like, yo, where's that coming from? And he's coming from when, you know, Odell Beckham was making these one-handed catches. Sure. And, And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, you know, that's great. But how often do you see that stuff right. in the game? And I say, we got to build the foundation. Nothing comes quickly. And I think that's the hard part with just, just this generation because you're only seeing the stuff that comes quickly. Mm-hmm. You're only being compared to the things that you see. And you're not allowing these guys to guys and women to be able to have that nurture relationship with the process. So your generation was the ESPN generation. Your generation was the generation that was seeing the highlights. And there's a little bit of yeah. what you just yeah. spoke to, right? Yeah. But, and, and it was a serious thing. I mean, there was a, a long, hard conversation about American basketball yep. because now we're just dunking because that's what makes, you know, sports center. Is, is, it, is it similar to that conversation? Is that the kind of conversation we're having with this generation? Yeah, and I think it's important, like, representation matters, as we've talked about before, Yeah, right? And so I think it's being honest with them and letting them know, like, it's going to take a lot more than you just working hard. Mm-hmm. I think hard work need doesn't even need to be mentioned. It should be a prerequisite. Whatever you do in life, you're going to have to work hard at it. Yep. But there are some things and information that they need to hear that is honest uh, and I think that will help carry that a little bit as well, too. But it's also, as parents, man, it's like not forcing you on them. Ah, there's the rub, <laughs> right? <laughs> not, that is the rub. Not not forcing your path on them because they got to walk their own path. But it's so easy to get caught up in their path because mm-hmm. maybe something happened in yours that you're just like, I want it so bad for them. Right. But it's like, man, they 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 may not want that. Right. So you're again, just to reiterate your background, football player, track yep. star, you know, University of Alabama, you, you make Team Canada. Uh, what about your younger brother you just mentioned? He, you know, where, where, how does he view you? How do you view him? Yeah. Um, you know, because he's a little bit behind you in terms of age, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's fourteen. Uh, little sister is eleven. Uh, honestly, he, he 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 just sees me as his big brother. Okay, you know, only when it's coaching does he see me. And what I tell him, he's like, "Oh yeah, this guy's operated at a at a high level before." But apart from that, honestly, Rob, like when he used to started playing sports, man. Uh, I didn't tell anybody that he was my little brother mm-hmm. because I didn't want people to say, oh, this is a king's brother. Oh, man, are you going to run track? Are you going to play football? I'm like, man, you, you don't have to do any of that. And I remember telling him, sitting him down one time when he was like seven, right? And I was like, look, I'm going to love you regardless of what you do or what you don't do. Right. You don't have to do this. Yep. If you want to, that's great. And if you want me to coach you, that's great. But at the same time, man, you make your own decisions. You go be you. Don't be me. <laughs> and is he good at that? Uh, I think he has. It's starting to the older that he gets, he's starting to see and hear right. things. Um, but 
to be honest, he's he's a lot more naturally talented than I was, but it hasn't clicked in his head the discipline and the mentality that it takes. You know, growing up how I grew up, you had to have that switch. What was the difference? What's the difference for you two? Um, he had a lot more stability. Okay. Um, you know, coming from Jamaica to Canada, you know, coming here for a better life. And you know a little bit of my story, Rob. I do, and I just want to flesh it out a bit because it was not direct from Jamaica to Calgary (laughs) either. This is still one of the weirdest, not weirdest, but wildest. When somebody emigrates to this country, Vancouver, Toronto, sure, Calgary, I can see that. You went from Jamaica to Whitehorse. Yes, sir. Yeah, so um, (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out why, honestly. Uh, yeah, so um, Yellowknife, right? My, right sorry, Yellowknife, yeah. yeah, yeah. My, my uncle was in the army back then, and that was, you know, back in the 90s, Rob. He just yeah. needed someone in the country yeah. Yeah. to get into the country. And so we went there, and Yellowknife, it's a great, it was a great place to start for me, you know. But, you know, for those who don't know Yellowknife, like, in the summertime, the sun doesn't go down. Yep. Right. In the wintertime, the sun can't come up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so I remember going to school in the dark and coming home in the dark, right? But then I came to Calgary and then, you know, it's kind of ironic. You come to Canada for a better life and we actually fell on harder times a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was uh, homeless there for a good part. But one of the things that that part taught me, Rob, is, you know, as much as we wish things, and I'm a massive person of faith, mm-hmm. uh, as much as we wish things and hope things, no one's really going to come and save you. No. You know what I'm saying? And it was in that moment that I realized, man, if anything was going to happen in your life, Akeem, you're going to have to be the one to get that ball rolling. Right. And you can't wait for somebody to say, oh, man, because you're a good person or because this and that. It's like, that would be great, but that's not all of our realities. Right. Right. And so the difference is he has a lot more support and stability than I did. I had to walk a lot of path by myself. I had a lot of people that came into yeah. my life along the way. Yep. But I started out on the solo, and so he didn't. And I think that's been the biggest thing is because he has someone who loves him unconditionally. Yeah, mom does, of course, too, you know, and everybody else in his life. But Mm -hmm. he has someone who loves him unconditionally. I'm going to be extremely honest with him, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to love him regardless of what he does. Right. How does he and your your sister, do they comprehend the fact that you guys were home, you, you know, their family was homeless prior to them being, you know. Yeah. Did they comprehend that? Not at all, man. I think they hear about it. Sure. And, you know, I had a speaking engagement um, before before the pandemic really hit, and they were able to came, and I was talking a bit about this. This is the first time they've heard me in person, in person. Yeah, yeah. And as I was going... Akeem the speaker yeah. rather than Akeem my brother. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so when I was detailing the story you know, they both got emotional, you know, because they didn't understand. Yeah, they heard it. But when you're painting the picture, it's a little bit more vivid and it pops. And so I think uh, I think they they know about it. But when you don't have to really live it, mm-hmm. you can be empathetic towards it. Mm-hmm. But they'll never really fully be able to feel it. And that's OK. I don't wish that upon them ever. But, you know, it's it's one of the situations where they they don't fully understand it. No. How could they? Yeah, right? exactly. How can, I can't. Yeah. Right? You, you, it's your lived experience. Yeah. But, you know, you're an Olympian. You, you, you went to the University of Alabama. How, how could you have been on the street? That, that doesn't yeah. comprehend for many, right? It's easy. You know, Rob, like, uh, 
had a coach, man. He said, man, the uh, sports will teach you a lot about life. And yeah. he was absolutely right. But I always felt it was the opposite for me, right? I always felt like my life experiences prepared me for the ebbs and flows and the ups and downs of sport. How could I complain about a 150 when I was on the streets? Right. How could I complain about, oh, man, we got to lift today and then we got to, you know, we got to do this today. It's like, nah, man, like for a Two hours, mm-hmm. you got to worry about nothing but the task at hand. And so I've kind of always been like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm also stubborn, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, good and bad. Mm-hmm. But it's those things that I've been through that says, you know what, man, I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if I put this focus here, you know, it's going to work out in some form because life has to find its balance. So am I doing this backwards then? Because I'm a proponent that sport teaches us the lessons we need to be successful in life. That's the perfect proving ground. It's the science yeah. experiment. We fail. We, we, we have to get ourselves back up. You know, we, we get better. We compete. Am I doing it backwards or is it just a, you know, it was a unique situation for you? Every, every situation is different. And here's okay. the thing, Rob. Mentally, it prepared me for sport. Mm-hmm. But there were some things that I still needed to learn through sports. Right. I still needed to learn how to trust coaches, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, when you're going through situations like I went through, trust isn't very easy because you feel like, you know, I felt like people didn't show up for me, right? And so when you're working in a team environment, you got to trust that they know what they're talking about, right? right? You have to be able to handle all of the moving parts Every mess, you're trying to mesh football, you're trying to mesh 48 kids, 48 young adults who are growing up, and you're trying to mesh all these personalities, all these egos, all these different backgrounds. And so I needed to learn how to work with people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and I say it like this when I go and speak, Rob, it's hard to speak to certain demographics and hard to speak to certain people if you don't speak that language. Mm-hmm. And the only way to speak that language is to go and put yourself in those rooms, right? So yep. for me, mentality, resiliency-wise, perseverance-wise, oh, man, I, could, I was ready for sport, but I needed to learn how to get other things through the sport. So it worked hand-in-hand hand for me, but I don't think it's the other way around. I just think my thing was different. Right, right. But it's, I think it's also something that, you know, you and I had a, a conversation last week and I was t- we were talking about trauma-informed coaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think recognizing, spending more time in recognizing where the athlete is coming from is critical, critical for coaches, right? Man. Because, you know, had they known, would they have gotten to you or, or been, been there for you in a way that maybe they didn't think they needed to be, right? Tell you a quick story, Rob. Yeah. Uh, when I first started playing football, right, you know, come to – Jamaica from from Canada. Football is when you soccer, right? Yeah, hundred so, percent. Yeah. So you know when I'm seeing this thing at my school, and my friend says, "Yo, Kim, we should go play football." I'm like, "What is that?" And he shows me the thing on the poster, and he pulls up this video. I was like, "Wait a minute!" So this version of football are people just running full tilt into each other? I said, "That's gladiator ish." I don't, <laughs> don't want to do that. That doesn't look fun to me, <laughs> right? But. On the poster, Rob, it said, uh, uh, if you come to tryouts, you get like muffins and you get a chocolate milk and you yeah. get a cookie. So what do you think I was going there for? You're going saying? to get fed. Right. So I get there, Rob, and I'm seeing all the different dynamics. I'm seeing uh, uh, people 
of all different parts of the neighborhoods. And at the time, it was called the Calgary Golden Hawks. Mm-hmm. It's now merged to the Rebels. Um, and, you know, shout out to Mr. Brock Jacobs, who passed away. Jacobs' family's always been good to me. Uh, but I get there, and I didn't have any cleats. Like, I noticed they were wearing these things with spikes in them, but, you know, I didn't really know what the heck that was. I'm like, it doesn't seem like I need it, because I was doing just fine without it. <laughs> right? But the issue was... What Rob, were you wearing then, do you think? Oh, man, I was wearing... Uh, uh, <laughs> so my mom brought me to Champs one day, yeah. and she was like, look... Um, this is how much money we have. School year is about to start. You get to pick one shoes, but these one shoes, you got to make it last. I'm like, cool, no problem. That's the thing when you grow up tough, Rob, because you know oh, how to make some things stretch. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'm looking through it and I'm looking at the sole of the shoes. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, you know, if I get these Nikes over here, man, that, that, these look like two, three months. If I get these Adidas over here, okay, these look like four months. But there were these shoes, uh, they weren't even sports shoes. It was like these G-Unit shoes. They were, they were black, all black, but they had a big sole. Okay. I'm like, man, if I'm going to play basketball, I'm going to play football, I can do soccer, I'd at least be able to stretch this for a year. So that's what I got. So what do you think I went to practice with? So you're right? a high school player. Not even. I'm in the ninth grade. Ninth grade. Okay. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. So these are your shoes for Going to school? Yep. These are your shoes at school? Yes, sir. These are your shoes for your sports? Yes, sir. And my guess is these are the shoes you wore to church? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So here's the rest of the story, Rob. Um, my coach called me. His name is Rob Giesman, one of my good friends mm-hmm. to this day. Uh, someone who, you know, whatever he needs, I'll always be there because he's been like that for me. Yep. You know, I talked about earlier, I didn't feel like a lot of people showed up for me. Well, this is one of the first guys that did, that didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. Right. So he calls me over. He says, Akeem, man, like, yo, why are you always slipping when you run? Like, where are your cleats? I was like, oh, coach, man, the slipping thing, that's new because nobody's ready for that. <laughs> so I go, I slip and I fall and then they come up, but I get up and I catch the pass. <laughs> he was like, you know, he got a chuckle from it, but I was, but he was like, no, seriously, like, like where? Yeah. And I said, coach, you know, I just, I just can't, I can't afford it right now. And he says, come to my office tomorrow before practice. So I go there before practice, and there's these white pair of Nikes on his table. And I was like, Coach, these are clean. I say, whose are those? And he says, they're yours. And I said, what do you mean they're mine? I said, where I come from, people don't just give, give things, you things yeah. just to give it to you. Yeah. People aren't just nice to no, you. No, there's a reason, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's like I do something for you. Uh, you got to do something for me. And nine times out of 10, my environment, how I grew up, it's not going to be a positive thing. And he taught me a valuable lesson that day, Rob. He said, man, um, only thing I want from you is to get touchdowns, Mm -hmm. help us win games, right? That's it. And he said, Akeem, the loneliest road that you will ever walk is thinking that you have to walk it alone. And that always stuck with me so much that, you know, when you layer, when you take away all of the titles that we have, mm-hmm. we're in the people's business, right? Yeah. Only way to move the world forward yeah. is through people. Yeah. And so I've always tried to reach people, not what they do, but the people, because the people is what makes this world move forward. And so those are the things that sports does teach us as a, over, as a long way to answering your question. But uh, yeah, man, so those are lessons that I learned. Take me, um, we should give out a shout out to the school too, because you were kind enough uh, about five years ago to do uh, uh, Be Brave for us. So yes, we went Crescent back Heights, to, yes. Went back to Crescent Heights and, and y- y- they still remember you there. 
Uh, you know, they 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 uh, uh they have a couple things up there. You know, Mr. Rose is still there. Some of my old teachers is still there. I actually gave uh, the medals that I broke the high school records with. Mm-hmm. So that's there. And I remember um, Mr. Rose was just like, oh, you should keep these. I'm like, eh, I don't need them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I was there, you know, so yeah. you guys have it, right? Like, it's not a big deal for sure. me because uh, memories are always going to be there, Rob. I think yep. material stuff, man, they come and they go, man. You can, you can have it. Is that where the is that where your siblings are going? Uh, uh their designated school isn't Crescent Heights, uh, okay. but uh, yeah, I'm gonna pull. Some, You're gonna pull some. I'm strings. gonna try to pull some strings well, and get them in there, <laughs> as, as you should. Um, I mentioned off the top, you are working on book number three. Yes, sir. Okay, so two out now. Yes, so uh, book number three. Well, three and four is pretty much done, Rob. Okay. I just haven't put them out just yet, so I'm gonna sit on those a little bit longer. Um, but you know, I always wanted to do something that would outlast me. Mm-hmm. And I found that like books is one of those things. Um, stories is one of those things yeah. as podcasting is, you podcasting, know, yeah. right. But people don't always listen to podcasts. Those that don't, maybe they read. Yeah. Right. So those kind of the backstory behind the books, man, I just want to have a blueprint for those coming behind who may be similar situations who could read the stories and maybe you can help them. You're a bit of a unique author in the sense that, you know, somebody would say, oh, wow, he's a, he's an Olympic medalist. So that's where the, you were writing before you went to the Olympics. <laughs> like, the, tell us a little bit of how you got involved or how you started writing. Um, I think a lot of athletes forget that they are more than just an athlete. Um, when I came to Canada, Rob, I, first thing I saw when I was in Yellowknife was, I, it was this story about this football player and I don't remember his name, but I remember the story and the impact that it had on me. And he had just retired and he was about a year out and he tried to kill himself three times. Mm-hmm. And when they sat down, they said, man, why? And he was like, man, I feel like I have no purpose after the game is done. And I made a decision. I said, man, I'm not going to put my sole purpose inside of what I do. It's a good part, but it's not fully who I am. So um, I set out to do other things, Rob, uh, the book's. First book, uh, Love, Life, and Legacy, man. I was 20 years old uh, when that one came out, Rob. And 20 years old. So you wrote it when you were 19? I was working on it when I was 19, yeah. yeah. Um, so what happened was uh, when I got to Alabama, mm-hmm. I was going through a lot of injuries. Yep. Right? And I was just like, man, you know, I, I, I needed to find something that was conducive to help me stay positive as we're rehabbing and all of those things. So... And when you're a student athlete, you're traveling a whole lot trying to compete. And sometimes you're flying, sometimes you're taking the bus. And, you know, depending on where you go, even the big schools like to save a little extra money, even though they got <laughs> University it. University like of that. Alabama, I find that hard to believe. And they got it. But, bro, we were taking eight-hour bus trips. I'm just like, come on, man. So on those eight-hour bus trips, yeah. I was like, man, let me just write down my thoughts. Mm-hmm. All right, let me just write down how I feel. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that for a year – it kind of adds up. And so when I did get hurt, I was like, man, let me just put everything on paper here to see how much pages I have. And Love, Life, and Legacy, when I put it down, it was like 215 pages and I chopped it down to 185. So I didn't know any authors. Right. I didn't know anybody who wrote books before. Right. But I remember I was reading a textbook in junior college and it was so boring. <laughs> Science textbook is like, yo, it's like, man, this is, I feel like I could write a better book than that. Right. So (laughs) I just started putting things together. But then I realized here is 
we can always relate to a story. Mm-hmm. We can always relate to a sentence. We can always relate to something. Yeah. And so I didn't know anybody that wrote books, but now that I figured out, figured out how to do it, I can pass that information on to those closest to me and to those who may have those same aspirations. And I realized, Rob, everything that I do, man, and, and I reflect on it now just thinking about it, there are some things in life, man, that's a lot bigger than us. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I do. It yeah. may seem like it's something small, yeah. but it's like, no, like you may be the only story that someone's here that's a positive one. Mm-hmm. And so that holds weight and that matters. That's why I say all the time, you matter. And this is nothing that we haven't talked about before. I no, t- it's I, not. I, but I tell you this all the time. I know that, but. <laughs> you matter. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I do. And it's important to know that. Yeah. So everything that I do, regardless of what you see, it's like, man, it's, it's a lot bigger than me. And I hope that when my time comes one day and God says, Akeem, I, it's time for you. Time I, to come home. I hope yeah. when I'm there that I can look him in the face and he can tell me, he's like, man, you, you, you left everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. I'm just trying to leave empty. Tell me about your ego. And, and no, but from the standpoint yes, at 19, when you're writing a book, yeah. if somebody hears this goes, well, you're 19, what life experience? It wasn't about that, was it? It was, it was about sharing more than, than teaching. Am I, am I, yeah. am I correct? Yeah. Um, everybody teaches different things. I don't think I teach per se. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember like, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like this ego guy, but man, I'm 31 now. Mm-hmm. I've probably had more ex- life experiences. You at, have the 51-year-old's life experiences. <laughs> that's what I would say. I've, I've probably had more life experiences at 16 than most people in their 60s did. Yeah. You know, with the exception of like... But did you know that? No. Or, are you, or do you know that now? I know that now. Yeah, okay. But when you're going through it, yeah. you're just trying to survive. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I do. survival mode is just like, man, you're just trying to get... You're just trying to find a way to... To, to thrive in it, mm-hmm. right? So my books have never came off as someone trying to teach you. It talks just like me, right? you know? And I talk to anybody, right? No one can ever say that when you met Akeem, that Akeem was disrespectful and he never gave me his full undivided attention, mm-hmm. right? So that's what you're going to get with the book, man. I, I don't have all the answers. I'll never have all the answers. I'll never deal with every single thing, right? But at the same time, I'll be able to share a perspective that maybe you could relate to. Right. Or at least you'll say, ah, I didn't see it like that. Right. Never going to tell anybody what to do. I have too much respect for people in general. Right. Right. But perhaps I can show you a different perspective that may help you view your environment or those that you're around or maybe people you never met before that you may be able to say, ah, I can understand why this person is like that. I, I, we when we do have these conversations, I always do make point of of talking to you about your time at the University of Alabama. Yes, sir. Because it, it's it's a complicated one in a way. Yeah. Injured a lot, but when you weren't first team All American. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a friendly pay, place for you, was it? <laughs> so you know, University of Alabama, man, and I think it's very important when when uh, you're picking a school. Right. To make sure that you have a a checklist, Mm -hmm. because what I tell athletes who are making that transition from high school to university, understand that it's a business. 
right? Understand that they roll over. Mm-hmm. And when you are in a big institution, uh, I mean, you got to, you might just be another number. Yep. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but it's just the reality of what it is, right? Especially in the American side, right? So uh, University of Alabama for me, Rob, you know, I didn't get along with my coach very well. Um, and him and I just saw a different perspective on a lot of things. I was never someone you could intimidate. I was never someone that you could just tell what to do without giving me a reason behind it. Gotcha. Right. And so we clash heads a lot, but I put my ego aside. I said, man, if I want this to work, I have to fully trust the system, believe in the system, take out the complaints, take out how I feel Mm -hmm. and just do what I can. Because if I'm doing all that I can do and the formula isn't working, right. May not be me. Maybe it's that. So Alabama, it was, it was tough because you go there on scholarship and you go there to make an impact. And you know, the training regime and philosophy wasn't conducive for a guy that looked like me from a physical standpoint, right? His, my coach program at the time, it was kind of built for a guy who was like, you know, six foot one, kind of slender, mm-hmm. but I was a shorter, stockier, more built guy. Yeah. So I needed more speed work than endurance work. And it was when I got there that I realized, wait, man, he was telling me this thing, but it came and it was a whole different things. Right. And so I didn't get the balance of what I needed at my old school, even though my old school was, was smaller. So it was tough to navigate through, man. And- you know, um, I lost a couple close friends, so I was battling through a lot of mental things. But, you know, at the same time, it's like nobody could tell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. It's like nobody knew. Yep. But it was a tough time, man. It was a it was a challenging time on the track, but away from the track, I, I really enjoyed the school. That leads you, though, you're on Team Canada's radar, right? Yeah. So 2012, you go to London. Yep. But you don't race. Correct. Okay. Yeah. 2012, uh, we're in London. Um, I was at my uh, junior college, Barton Community College. Shout out to all the junior colleges out there. It's not an easy path, but if you take that route, stick to it. <laughs> stick to it. Push through it. Uh, so I went there. Um, 2012, we're at London, right? And it was a, it was a good experience, man. It was, uh, I had family over in London, so that was good. Um, but now you get to see how the elites operate Mm -hmm. and you get to see what they eat as well too, because you're in the cafeteria and a, for those watching some of these Olympic athletes that you're like, man, this guy must be a thousand percent nutrition. Nah, man, there's a lot of cats who are hitting up McDonald's (laughs) who are having donuts, right? Who are having sneaking out at 12 to go to McDonald's to get a chocolate milk and some nuggets. Right. So, you know, it's different. Yeah. Some people can get away with that, but it just made me see how people lock in and dial in, right? And even though I didn't get to run, I was still watching, mm-hmm. still looking around, still seeing, right? When I saw Usain Bolt in person, I had seen him um, back in Toronto when I was in high school times before, but he wasn't that big as he was in 2012. Mm-hmm. But just watching the mannerisms of those guys and what they do, I said, man, to the I'm going to take this and I'm going to apply it. And so that was the first experience of the first games in London. Yeah. So wait, wait, were you, you an alternate or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so I was. So I, it wasn't disappointing in the sense of 
you know, you get there and you didn't get a chance to perform. You knew what you're up against. So I was, I was supposed to run, okay. Rob. So okay. we get to Ottawa and, you know, the coach at the time, Coach Glenroy, a lot of respect for Coach G. Obviously, they've done a great job in the recent uh, games and world championships. They won last year, right? Yep. Surprised a lot of people, but they got a really good team. But that year, he was like, man, you know, whoever – Whoever runs into these meets and runs well, you're going to be the one that runs the first leg. So it was me competing against another good friend of mine named Ian Warner, mm -hmm. right? And we're going all out, like, in practice. Like, it's, it's war. Sure. I didn't know Ian like that, right? But I'm like, oh, this guy's, this guy's running very fast, so I have to. It was like a war mentality. But he was tired. I was tired. But you're not going to tell them that, right? So everything was lining up that I was going to run. Here's the kicker, Rob. We get to this meet in Germany, right? And they said, hey, does anybody want to run the 100 meters? We can enter you in this meet in Germany. And so I was talking to my coach back at Barden, Coach uh, Nigel Bigby, and I was like, Coach, there's an opportunity to run here. He was like, man, you know, it's your call. You've had a long season. You're already going to run. And I said, if you want to run, then run. I was feeling tired, man. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to rest because from my understanding, I am running. Mm -hmm. So one of the guys goes and he runs 10:13 in this meet. He hasn't ran anywhere near that time all year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he ran 10:13 at the time it was faster than my personal best and because he ran that time in that meet, he ran over me. So uh I probably should have ran. <laughs> yes, hindsight being that. Um Four year, the quadrennial happens. You end up in in Rio. Yeah. What's the build up to race day like? Did it feel any different? I mean, was it? What was it all like? I think the the, the in hindsight, you know, you go when you experience something for the first time, and this if you get the opportunity to do it for a second time, it's not. It's still an experience. Sure, but you're here to do a job. Now. Yeah, yeah. So I was four years older. Right. Yeah. More, more mature. I've been in the game a little bit more now, been on the circuit a little bit more. So I knew what to expect now. So before we get to the finals, Rob, uh, and I mean, this isn't a story that not a lot of people know. I don't really like to make excuses ever, but I ran the open hundred there as well, too. And so the night before, right, my agent um, is talking to Puma because mm -hmm. I was running with um, Brooks. Yep. Right. All year I've been running with Brooks. Uh, one of the few sprinters to run with Brooks, but I really liked them. You know, the mm -hmm. shoes were nice. They 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 treated me well. Sure. The spikes were like Nike spikes, so they were fast. It, it, I wanted to be with them. You're happy. Yeah. So my agent was just like, "Well, we're gonna see if we can negotiate between that and negotiate between uh, Brooks." And so uh, um, Puma gave us an offer. Brooks didn't want a counter offer, so I said, "Okay." Thanks. Uh, we're going to go with Puma. And I didn't know much about the business side of it, right? Because I'm like, okay, well, I guess next year I run in Pumas. Yeah. That's not how it works. It was that day? That, that, that night, my agent comes by and he says, hey, man, uh, here are the spikes. I said, what? No, like I, I, I've been running in these uh, all year. Yeah. I can't just switch now. And I know for those listening, it may not seem like it's a big deal, but when you're breaking, it's like a hockey stick, right? Uh, no, no. It's everybody, everybody listening yeah. right now understands what a big like, deal this is. When yes. your yeah. feet are molded a specific way, 
it's like, man, you don't want to change that. And so I'm like, well, I guess this is what I got to do. So the next day, Rob, we're in the heats and I'm warming up and now I got to put these spikes on, get the spikes on and doing my strides, one, two, feeling good, but my foot is throbbing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, what's going on? So go back to my call room, about to take off my spikes before we walk into, before we walk into the call room back at the tent and I take off my, my, my shoe and there's a gash in the side of my foot and my foot is bleeding. <laughs> Gosh, oh, no. I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? Right? So I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, ah, man. Okay. Obviously I'm not going to pull out. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I go to our trainer. I was like, look, I need you to just bandage this up, patch it up, wrap tape around it. Um, and let's just go. So as she is wrapping it, right, the blood is gushing out, blood is gushing out, right? So go into the call room, Rob, and I didn't perform the way that I wanted to uh, because every time that I put my foot down, it was reopening the cut, so I was in pain. Oh, I bet. And so I finished 25th. They take 24 to the semis. Okay. So I went back and I had another chance at the relay, but I was beat up about it. And I have to say the people in Calgary who have been supporting my career, man, they really came through just showing support. And I really appreciated that. But fast forward, you get to the uh, Olympics. What people don't, or the relay, what people don't know is we ran the heats at like 8 a.m. in the morning, right? People only see the final, yep. but we ran the heats at like 8 a.m. in the morning, right? And so just a normal day um, going back after the heats, we advanced, we got the finals, but I remember going into the room of, uh, of, uh, of Brendan and I was like, Hey man, like, yo, like we need this tonight. He was like, yeah. Okay. So I go to Aaron's room. I'm like, yo, we, we need this tonight. He's like, yeah. So I go to Andre's room. I'm just like, yo, yo we need this tonight. He's like, yeah. So we do what we had to do. Like it wasn't any big motivational talk. It was just like, man, we have an opportunity here to not only do well, yeah. But Canada hasn't gotten an Olympic medal here in a while, right? right? So now we have that opportunity, and we broke the Canadian record then. So it was just a lot of mental preparation, but when you're ready to seize an opportunity, you just got to let your body do the work. How often do you watch that race? Honestly, not a whole lot. Well, let's watch it right now, shall we? <laughs> <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll throw it up here, and we'll let you walk us through it. All right, man. So first leg, I'm thinking to myself, I have to try and catch the next guy as quick as possible. Try to put Aaron in a good position. Aaron sees me. He gets his arm up. I'm like, okay, I gave him the stick. Now my day is done. I'm chilling. I'm like, man, Aaron's looking good. He's rolling. I'm like, okay, third exchange. Please don't drop the baton. Let's just get it off. So Aaron runs a good corner and I'm watching it. I'm just like, ah, man, Andre didn't get out. I'm like, that's not good because if he would have got out, we would have got second. But he's in great shape and he is just doing everything that he can to push it. I'm on the other side, Rob. So I saw what happened. But I couldn't really see because Usain Bolt was blocking the way. He's, <laughs> he's so big. Because he's a massive human being, <laughs> right? But I was crouching down watching it, and I was just like, man, I think we got, we either got third or we either got fourth. But um, I was like, man, if Andre would have got out a little bit better, mm-hmm. oh, we would have got second place, no easy. But um, when we found out we got fourth, man, oh, fourth place sucks, Rob. Oh, yeah. Give me eighth place over fourth Absolutely. place. Absolutely. Because it's like, 
you're right there and then you're not. Nobody goes to a final, the main goal, what they say, survive in advance, Mm -hmm. right? And when you get to the final, you want to get a medal. And when you don't get that medal, nothing else matters. So when we did get the medal, man, it, it just changed the perspective and the mood a lot. Well, and, and it's like any, it's, you know, I know there's three medals there, but I, I would equate it to a championship. Yeah. You now walk with those other guys for the rest of your life, right? Yes, yes. Like they're brothers. Like nobody can work their way into that memory that you guys are that. Yeah, so it's, it's things, and honestly, Rob, I don't know if I appreciate it as much now. Um, it may be one of those, well, not maybe, probably will be one of those things where when I'm a little bit older, I'll be like, man, that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but I got to say in the moment, I didn't really think too much of it. Probably didn't really appreciate it or took the moment hmm. as much as I probably should have. Why? Um, was it a business? Was it? Um, I think, I think a lot of it, Rob, when I think about it, man, probably stems back to how I grew up. Yeah. Right, because it kind of felt like every time that something good was happening, that it the next moment it just changed. Ah, uh, waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah, and okay. so I felt like in that moment. Now there were moments where I was just like, "Yeah, that's great," but then there were moments that I directed and be like, "Okay, well, what's next?" Mm-hmm. And what I've learned in hindsight is sometimes what's next is that moment right now. Right. What's your uh, current connection to track right now? Um, I am still active in it in the sense of you know mentorship wise Mm -hmm. there are people that i do still going about it um i still watch it uh but you know i I really if i don't know that someone is competing in it or if i don't if i'm not interested in it i'm probably not not gonna watch it are you aware paying attention to what's going on in this country at the national sports organization level, at the NSO level in terms of leadership and yeah. overall, I mean, it, what do you make of almost this, I don't know if crisis is the right word, but man, there seems to be a vacuum of leadership at the top in this country when it comes to our sports. You know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm involved in it as much as I can while I'm here. Okay. Right. And, and, and when I'm not here, obviously we, we talked about off air, that mm. transition to, uh, to America for me, it's like, you know, but the leadership, man, it, it, I've always felt like leadership is one of those things where you first have to look at yourself in the mirror, yep. right? And you have to mirror whatever it is that you say that you represent and down forth. So I think it's important. Now, I don't know the ins and outs in different sports, mm-hmm. um, but I know in the track and field space from, you know, my old coaches, Calgary international coach, John Cannon, um, He's always been about the kids, right? And I don't know every ins and outs of what's happening in the city here. My ears um, isn't onto the ground in, in all of that format. But from what I've seen, from the small parts that I've known and continue to check up on, uh, it needs work. Yeah. And most people just need to listen, I feel like. So it's more to do with the, again, it goes back to the conversation we had about you know, knowing your story, knowing you as an athlete, it's more about that, right? It's, it's less dictatorship and more, uh, you know, Billy Jaffe was from, uh, one of my good friends from Nesson was on talking about the Bruins. We were having a conversation about coaching. It's about talking to the athlete, not down to the athlete. What I realized, Rob, in my experience is 
I was never one of those athletes that you had to motivate. I was never one of those mm-hmm. people that you had to inspire. You never had to yell at me, mm-hmm. right? But you just had to come and talk to me, right? But the other thing was, if I had a coach in my life, whether track, football, badminton, mm-hmm. phys- whatever the case may be, if I knew you cared about me, like actually cared about me, the person, I'm going to run a wall for you, man. Like, because that matters to me. Yep. Because not a lot of people are going to take the time to get to know their athletes. If you are in an environment where you have the luxury of seeing the same kids over and over and over again, if you're spending six months with these young athletes and you don't know what they like to do and you don't know a little bit about their background, mm-hmm. maybe their parents, what they have going on on a personal standpoint, you're not doing a good job. Can, can you do that and still be demanding? Oh, absolutely. See, that to me is the disconnect here. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's one or the other, <laughs> but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, I've told you before, Rob, um, you know, before um, I left down to America more, um, I coached my little brother's mm-hmm. uh, flag football team. Yep. I didn't know, one, I didn't know there was a flag football team in, in, in uh, junior high. I wish we had that when I was coming up. We would have had a nice team and <laughs> rolled up some of these other junior colleges. Shout out to Dr. Egbert, everybody over there. But I set the precedent early with them, right? And my little brother knows, yeah, I'm your brother at home, but here I'm your coach. And you know, you know what I'm about. Right. But these young athletes don't yet. Yeah. And so I said, look, the first time... Um, that we got together, I always take five, six, seven minutes to ask them how they're doing. You know, what's going on? Like, you guys okay? Like, how was school today? You know, did you have a test? Because, you know, I've taken some tests, Rob, that I was in practice, but I was like, oh, man, I know I Still failed living that. that. I know I failed that test, yep. but maybe I can have a good practice. And so right. there's all these things that's happening around. And then I was just like, okay, so you're telling me that, like, man, you didn't really have a lot of food today, right? Okay, it's, it's Ramadan, so you're not eating all the way through. So, you know, but having that checkup to be able to say, okay, this is how we're going to operate today. So that's the first five minutes that we do. But then I always say, look, these are my expectations. I expect you when you're here to give me your full undivided attention. And I expect you to show up and I expect you to bring your best. Maybe your best is 60%. Bring me that. Mm -hmm. Maybe your best today is 40%. Bring me that. Right. But you can mesh both worlds. They both go hand in hand. But it's just how are you going to be able to fit what you want and they want and still demand and move in the same direction that we're all trying to get to? Right. You doing a lot of speaking? Uh, not as much in the recent years as I would like to. Okay. Um, but I've been getting some offers more on the American side, okay. uh, which is good because that's where we're going to be going. But um, not as much as I would. Obviously, we can always have a little bit more. Yeah. You know, the uh, things were going really well during the pandemic, but then a couple of setbacks and, you know, uh, m- could have some more. Good. Good. Um, you mentioned two podcasts. We talked about one. We did not talk about the second one, which is the Breakdown Podcast. <laughs> um your sport true sport is boxing right yeah that's the one that you love yeah yeah so you know and it's probably if i if i knew how to get into boxing back then i probably would have mm-hmm. 
But I think to me, Rob, why I resonated with this so much is because I really think life is a fight, man. And you're either fighting, you're fighting for something, right? Maybe you're an ambitious person. You're fighting for your goals, your dreams, right? Fighting for your family. You're fighting for your your mental capacity to stay positive, right? And I think that's what I relate to the most. But when I break down a fight, I give it a different perspective because I come from that athletic background. And Mm -hmm. track and and boxing are kind of similar. Obviously, in track, you're not getting punched in the face, right? But it's the sense of you have a team around you, Mm -hmm. but a team isn't coming with you in the blocks. A Mm -hmm. team isn't coming with you in the ring, right? So to be able to make adjustments on the fly, to be able to operate in a high-pressure situation, to be able to know the difference in breathing, right, when you're in a boxing ring, how you pivot matters, right? The feints that you're doing, dipping and changing levels, like all that matters. But I think what I relate to the most is just like, man, it's a fight. And you don't have to win every single round to win the fight. Right. You are a little bit of a unicorn in the sense that you also talk about UFC. It's not, it's, it's not one or the other for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, UFC, you know, a lot of people think it's very violent. Um, mm-hmm. I think... I think It's not. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, f- football is violent too. Yeah, it's true. You know, but it's just a little bit different. And, you know, I think... Uh, I think... Um, I went to go speak at a jail a couple of years back, Rob. And, you know, um, one of the officers asked me, so they came what would you do in a position like this, right? Like how, what is the best way to teach these guys like discipline? And I would say, man, uh, put them in some type of sport, right? Yep. Put, it, put them in boxing, put them in uh, MMA training, wrestling training, right? Because when you're punching a, a bag in training, you get, you get your anger out, you get your frustration out. But then you have a coach that says, hey, you know, if you do it this way, mm-hmm. you would be able to make this more of an impact, Right. So I look at all of that stuff. Uh, MMA wise, you're meshing a whole bunch of discipline in one. So you got to be a decent grappler. You got to be a good striker. You're not going to be great at all of them because you just don't have enough time to tap into all of them. Right. But you're honing all of your skills, trying to put it into this matchup with mentally not getting too emotional in the ring, in the octagon. So to me, Rob, it's a big mental battle in all of them for me. For sure. Um, the state of the two, though, there is some talk that uh, UFC is coming to Calgary yes. in, in June. Um, hopefully we'll get that confirmed here in the next little while. As a casual observer, um, I've kind of lost my way a little bit. I, I was there during Nate and Connor and, and Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey, that, you know, yeah. kind of that peak. What's the state of UFC right now as you see it? Man, it's starting to grow massively, okay. right? And UFC is weird because I always feel like I don't see a lot of the marketing. Yeah. But then the arenas are sold out. Right. 80,000 people, 100,000 people, 50,000 people. Like it's always sold out. And I think it's growing because, you know, it, it doesn't need a lot to get going. It doesn't need a lot to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've also learned too is now you're starting to see the international world. Right. So it's not just, you know, the Americans who are at the top. Right. Now you have guys who train in Australia. You have guys training in the UK. Right. Like Leon Edwards. Right. Just beat Kamaru Usman. Kamaru Usman went. 
He lost his first fight or his first three fights, but then won 20-something straight fights and was fighting the same guys twice and beating them again. You know how demoralizing that is? You know what I'm saying? But now Leon Edwards gets his chance, Mm -hmm. right? And you tap into Leon Edwards' story, and he's a guy from Jamaica, Spanish town Jamaica as well too, right? So for me, I'm just like, I I relate to him. And so now you get to hear his story, and it's like all these different things. So I think internationally... Boxing is starting to grow. Um, MMA is starting to grow. And I think internationally, that's where track is not growing. So boxing's growing? Because I feel like I grew up in a house with boxing. Dad yes. was a fan. But I grew up in the heavyweight, what I would call the heavyweight era of boxing, right? Like, yeah, that's great. But, you know, give me <laughs> give me Lennox Lewis or give me Mike Tyson or yeah. give me Muhammad Ali sort of thing. And I, now... Having grown up in that environment, I kind of feel like boxing is almost fading away. But it's not. I think it. I think it depends what division you're focusing on. Right. Um, it's such a business, man. Oh yeah. You know, and I think that's where it gets lost because now you want guys and girls who are just like you know, if you want to see me in the ring, I need like thirty thousand dollars guaranteed, thirty million guaranteed. Yeah. But it's like, man, who is going to pay you that at the same time? If you want $30 million, there's only a couple places that can pay that. And you're either probably going to uh, Dubai, mm-hmm. someplace in Saudi Arabia, or you're going to um, London, right? Or certain parts, depending on your popularity yep. in America. But I think it just matters what division that you like. You know, I think the light heavyweight division is always going to be good. Big fight happening next week with Ryan Garcia and Javante Davis. That's going to sell out. That's going to be a big fight. But, you know, I think, I don't think boxing is ever going to die out Mm. because there's always going to be people, diehard people who are like, you know what, I'm going to go just like, just like, just like hockey. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I know, I know people who will travel forever. You call them at Alabama, Rob, uh, there would be uh, people who, for example, I was there when they played A&M when they had Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Alabama Coliseum seats about 80,000 people. Well, somehow in a span of like four days, they got from 80,000 to 115,000 people. But you have Texas A&M fans who are traveling, like taking a week off from work just to be there, right? So I think, I don't think certain things will die out. Uh, I think it will always be there. But depending on what you like, you're going to gravitate towards that more. Schedule for books three and four? Have you... Uh, within the next two years. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, sure. <laughs> and where can we find the podcast? So the podcast is called Unscripted with Akeem Haynes, and it's on all uh, streaming podcast yep. forms, Apple, Spotify, Google. And um, it is on YouTube as well, too. We just started a new YouTube page that's going to continue to grow. But it's wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll find it. You are an amazing guy, and I owe you so much. Um I'll just say that during COVID, we had a couple of really important conversations for me, and I will ever, always ever be grateful for you uh, because of you and, and, and the guidance that you gave me uh, on some really tricky, again, off the top, we were talking yeah. about society and sports, and there were some really tricky things there, and we had some really important conversations, so I really appreciate that, my friend. You know I love you. You know you got to welcome or Matt here anytime you want to come in if you're back in Calgary because we are losing you. <laughs> uh, we're going to lose you to Pennsylvania. At you know, some point, you know, Rob, you and I go way back, man. And, you know, 
at the beginning I talk about, I didn't feel like a lot of people that showed up for me. You were one of those ones that did. And so, man, you know, for me to you and you know this, whatever you need, as I said I back then, whatever yeah. you need, yeah. uh, I'm going to show up for you, man, because you've not only shown up for me, but for every person that you come in contact with, man. So if you haven't heard in a while, man, we appreciate you, man. I uh, appreciate you too, sir. Thanks for doing this. Oh, it was a pleasure. Anytime, man. There you go. Akeem Haynes joining us in studio, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in Calgary, three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, Bow Ridge Road by McDonald's at the bottom of Windsport. We will continue with more Haynes on this program. Darren Haynes scheduled to join us <laughs> next here in a little while. Uh, good time for me to jump in with uh, the uh, reading assignment for today. A little bit different. Uh, I went with an actual report. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's worth your time and worth your dedication. Uh, and that is uh, Jumpstart's uh, report on sport for 2023. It came out here a couple of days ago and some really important data and fresh off of our conversation here with Akeem, um, some of the things that really draw grab my attention is that uh, one in three parents say their child's mental health deteriorated during the pandemic. This rose to 44% for children who particip- whose participation in sport was extremely or uh, very much impacted by COVID-19. This highlights the connection between sport and mental health, and we've been saying this for a while. We have a mental health crisis uh, going on around us, and uh, sport can be an active active agent to try and battle that um in in schools um just even the principles of teamwork leadership respect uh those can go a long way in in battling uh mental health so if you get a chance check out jumpstart's report on sport 2023 uh in a couple of moments darren haynes joins us uh just a couple of thoughts as the uh, national hockey league is closer and closer to kicking off the playoffs without a team from calgary uh that team from calgary met with the media here today and we're going to get into that a little while we do know most of the playoff picture we don't know all of the playoff picture uh minnesota and seattle uh, one of them is going to play Dallas. One of them is going to play Colorado. We just don't know who's who yet. Uh, elsewhere in the West, Edmonton and Los Angeles, a rematch from last year's first round matchup. Um, I, it's, to me, it's right now, it's going to be hard to uh, upset Edmonton, I think, unless you're Colorado. Um, you know, LA, we've seen a couple of times, different teams. Um, and again, they know each other from last year. So there's some, uh, you know, some blood there. Vancouver, or pardon me, uh, Vegas and Winnipeg, the Golden Knights and the Jets. Interesting matchup. Uh, the Golden Knights, we know, have been banged up. They've been without their captain. Um, they've been without, you know, their starting goalie all year, so to speak, with no Robin Lehner. Uh, Winnipeg, uh, not unlike Calgary, had that really rough, awkward, uncomfortable uh, back end of the season, so to speak. Um, but they managed to get there. And when they are on, uh, they're good. And when their goalie's on, he's really good. Uh, Josh Morrissey on the blue line, good. Uh, this this feels like it could be a slugfest. This one feels like it could go a while. But we'll wait and see. Over on the East, Boston and Florida. Uh, Boston setting records in wins, setting records at home, setting records with points, setting records with all kinds of things. Uh, Florida, really nice push led by former Flame Matt Kachuk uh, in the last half of the, the season. They end up making the playoffs, but I don't, I really don't see that one going very long. Uh, Toronto and Tampa Bay, uh, they've been there before. This time it's different. This time, 
or at least that's what Toronto wants you to believe. Tampa, three straight Stanley Cup finals, kind of made it just through the uh, through the the rigors of the season. Uh, I expect that one will be you know hammer and tong. Islanders late entry, they play in Carolina. I like Carolina in that one, and then one New Jersey and the Rangers. Um, I, it's a pick 'em for me. Um, Jersey, Jersey was good from the start to the finish. They're young. Uh, they're going to have to learn some lessons. You always do when you go to the postseason, but uh, I wouldn't doubt it that they could upset there. All right, uh, let's go to our next guest, brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard, skisnellersnowboard.com, 76 years in Calgary. Uh, not just skis and snowboards. Uh, keep you warm, whatever you need. Uh, they'll take good care of you. Again, there's still snow in the mountains right now. Skisellersnowboard.com. Continuing our theme with Haynes, we bring in our second favorite Haynes, Darren Haynes uh, from Canadian Press, formerly The Athletic. One time, Flames... Uh, 80 feet away or something it was a it was a great what what did I say it wrong again you're in the neighborhood I'm in the neighborhood right yeah um how are you I'm okay I, I'm I'm pretty excited that I cracked the top two Haynes's That's, yeah uh, we had Akeem Haynes at number early. one and Darren Haynes at number two and then the underwear at number three that yeah. that was our unofficial top three of Haynes's Oh, I mean, ahead of the underwear. That's that's uh, that's solid. That's uh, yeah. There's I've heard a lot of underwear jokes. Oh, you have, have None you? Of them original beyond grade five. <laughs> In level or at grade five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were about grade five caliber jokes too. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. I don't even know where you want to start on this. Um, it seems like every year, even when I wasn't in the business, you and I would have these conversations. We would talk about the local hockey heroes. And I, I don't remember a year in which we said, well, this is weird or this is different or this is an anomaly or anything. But this time I mean it, Darren. This time I really, really mean it. This this was as far as watching a team, uh, covering a team, talking about a team, this one had a little bit of everything on the uh, one side of the column and not enough on the other side of the column. Yeah, I, uh, I, I entirely agree. I, I called it that as soon as the season ended. Like, I don't recall a stranger one. Um, were they close? Um, were, it's, it's hard to know. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, like they felt like they were close for all the consternation, for all the things that were swirling and going wrong and underperforming. And yep. yet they hung around and hung around and. So yeah, just just a really strange year. All the all the years usually, um, yeah. I, I just it felt it felt it, the ups and downs, like the five and one start, and then like the the like what was it seven and seventeen? Yeah, in overtime. Like, yeah. The, the, the funny thing. Twenty four overtime and shootout games. You know, you you look at two of the biggest. I don't know. It's a long list, but two of the biggest reasons why you know they're cleaning out their lockers today is is factors that would not be factors had they still been playing and that is they couldn't beat teams that aren't playoff teams mm-hmm. now, they are became one of those as a result but mm-hmm. that inability to beat teams that they actually wouldn't face if they could get to the playoffs they actually actually played super good and really well against the playoff teams and then three on three overtime they're no good at that yeah, but there's no old three on three overtime in the playoffs, right? You know, so it's funny how those two things that aren't factors come the playoffs ended up keeping costing them, them. making the playoffs. Let's talk about the three on three for a second. Was that strategic or was that just a run of bad dumb luck? I, I go back to that game in Vancouver on Saturday, and the first ninety seconds, nothing happened, and then everything happened. And, you know, I, I don't, it's not like I watched this team three on three and they never had the puck. It's not like I watched this team three on three and they were in a, you know, defensive triangle. They just, I, I, I don't know how to describe it other than they just never scored. Yeah, I, I think strategic did play into okay. it early. Like, okay. I think early, I think you saw, I think you saw them try to address it. I think early you saw them forcing. And, and, and what often happens is, is you're taking a shot from a bad angle. You're trying to go hard to the net. You get stripped. Now you got two guys down low in the puck and three guys are going the other direction. So mm-hmm. I think strategic was a le- legitimate, I think that was an issue early. Um, you can't do that. So I think you saw them learn from that, that patient, patient, circle back. You don't like what you see, circle back, like keep possession. Yeah. Try and okay. try for that better chance rather than forcing a, a, a an okay chance, okay. right? So I think there was that, um, you know. And how often did we see when things did get a little chaotic that a theme throughout all sixty minutes, including the extra five, is is they didn't get the stop from their goalie, and and the other teams were getting the stops, right? So yeah. between those two things, that yeah. overtime record kind of reflected kind of what they were. Um, oh, I it, it's yeah. a little worse than that, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, again, not as an excuse. It's just more of, you know, it, it. that's a staggering number. The staggering number that you win seven of the 24 times that you went into overtime. Staggering number, right? Like, yeah. you, you're a baseball guy. You're wearing a baseball. You, you know the old lines the managers give you. 
you know, in a baseball season, you expect to win a third, you expect to lose a third. It's what you do with that other third that determines yeah. your fate. And I think yeah. we can make that case about the Flames in overtime and shootouts this year. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no. Is that, was that a tribute to Sparky Anderson, I think, where it's like in, in baseball, you're going to win 50, you're going to lose 50, and what do you do with the other 62? Like, yeah. I, I love that line because I've always felt that way. I've actually yep. used that post game with players like sometimes it's just not your night and, mm-hmm. and you're, you're not going to win them all you're so do you just kind of throw it away i i often thought there's some truisms there but yeah just just uh like that that in itself was such a, a bizarre thing and and that if they ever did get to a shootout you know that didn't look very good either the the, the lack of of uh you know like the, the what you know what you saw it was easy to it was easy to say why are they using backland why are they using Nick Ritchie in the shootout? But then you look at some of the other shootout percentages, and they're not much better, right? So, but, they, but was Nick Ritchie was Nick Ritchie a signal? Was Nick Ritchie a, for the lack of a better term, kind of a middle finger to the detractors? <laughs> I've heard that theory. I don't. I'm not buying it. I think there's some some hunches involved. You said there was um, a there, the, there was a number like he had he had scored against Soros earlier this year in a shootout, yes. correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. But, on his only penalty shot or his only shootout attempt in five years. Right. right? So yeah. it's just, you know, he's not a regular. Um, I, it, it felt like an odd choice. I mean, at some point I understand Tyler Toffoli's shootout record isn't sure. very good either, but he also hadn't scored 35 goals before. This is a guy that's been feeling it. Right. So it, it did seem a little bit, but odd. I, I would have been more, and I don't know, maybe I'm just, hindsighting this i would have been more apt to put stone out there and let him pull the old dion Phaneuf, right <laughs> just wire one from between the 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 hash marks scare the hell out of the goalie put him first right that that shot has not slowed down at all no like no no it has not it has it, not uh, didn't was it vladar i think this morning at uh at exit interviews said uh, he wanted, he just wants to make sure he's on the same team as Stone. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to be <laughs> facing those things. Yeah. Um let yeah, you you've taken me to the goaltenders. Let's let's I mean, you go from Jennings esque, Vesna esque to the other end of the, the spectrum. Um the Flames have a goaltending department. Uh, they have goaltending coaches. I I I, I just don't – I'm not sure I've ever seen anything quite like this year when it came to the goaltending and it came to the starters. Yeah. In terms of um, pedigree. I mean, in fairness, Joey McDonald, yes, I've seen that before. But, <clears throat> you know, Markstrom was not Joey McDonald. No, no. Um, yeah, like, it's funny, you know, it, I, I think, um, you know, you mentioned all the, the, the supports and the, the coaches and, and I really feel like maybe the most important guy not listed there and, 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 and maybe need a couple of them or a team of them is, is the sports psychologist. Like, I, I just wonder how much of that kind of became a mental grind when, when things aren't going well. All the games are hinging on, on your back because they're all one goal game. You're, you're clearly not getting a ton of offense to work with every goal against feels like, you know, I guess, and I think as the season went on and you're chasing it, then mm-hmm. that doesn't, the, the pressure doesn't get any less. It's just getting more and more. Right. So yeah. I think you saw, I think if, if you're a, a fan, um, you're relieved at how, you know, you saw Markstrom turn around his game. 
um, in the in the last two months, six weeks, whatever that kind of period was. Mm-hmm. I, I do feel they again overuse him down the stretch. I think they, you know, Danvildar needed to be mixed in a little bit more. But when he got his chances, you know how this coach rolls. You know, you got to really give. He's got to have real confidence in you, and I think he lost the confidence. Well, he, the coach. he, he Curtis McElhaney'd him at the end of the year. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, it, what's crazy about the Ladar season? At one point the collective we were doing the count about he's done 10 games without a loss. Now he's gone 12 games and set a new record or whatever. We're chasing a record, right? At one yeah. point he, he was on quite a nice little roll. Yeah. The, the one, is he the one a, is he the one B? I mean, that was, that was, that, that was, was a legitimate conversation. conversation. He, did he not get a back to back? At one point, oh sure, yeah, yeah, sure he did. There yeah. was a couple of times where 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 Markstrom got kind of a a bit of a breather, um, and that's kind of how it worked. It seemed like they 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 would give a, a little bit of that breather, and then, but yeah, I, I think there's still something there in Vladar. I think it's just really tough when you're playing that infrequently to get your game back, right? So Curtis McElhaney, I think, yeah, yeah you're 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 really so I I felt for him because. Yep. Then he gets in, and now the weight of needing to put up a zero to stay, you know, to get another chance within the next couple of weeks is really what he what he wrote. But right. and then we had an interesting sneak preview, didn't we? In, in game eighty two, and at what point do they? Have yeah, to I want to I want to push back on that a bit. Do you mind? Do you mind if I make you the 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 scapegoat for the rest of the media in this city? Well, do you I'm mind sure. if I do that? Is it all right if well, I just you know plot all I'm, the? I'm, I'm good I, with it. I I've thought been that I've been that before. I thought a little bit too much was made about him in Coronado after that game. That was a glorified preseason game. Sure, that's what it was, yeah. and that's what I expected. But now, having said that, let me argue with myself here a bit, Darren, because I've done that before too. You want me to stick around? Yeah, no, you stick around for it. You can stick around. Maybe help me out if you want. But, um, you know, on a couple of the power plays, he faced down Eric Carlson and and Couture and Hurdle, who I think we would agree are everyday NHLers, right? Not taking anything away from Noah Gregor. I think he's an NHLer too. But I just felt like it was less about what they did and more about we needed something to glom onto. Like, we, we needed hope. Like, not we, but, you know, the city wanted hope. And in this game, Coronado looked as good as anybody else out there did. Wolf won the game, made some stops. I just felt like, I, you know, that's not enough for me to, to determine whether or not he's, you know, up here next year. And, and you kind of talked a little bit about it too. Is What are you going to do, bring him up here and let him caddy? Is that the best way to develop a 22-year-old goalie? Yeah, no, I didn't. I don't think he earned... He, no, no, I'm not saying you, and I'm not saying you, you said that, Darren, I'm not, I'm not saying anybody yeah, yeah, no. said that. I just thought, I thought the reaction was a little bit, a little bit much. Yeah, no, I, but I think it's, this is, this is, this is, this has been a dark cloud yes. for a long time. So, 100%. So, so when you're, yeah. when you're indoors staring out at dark sky and that first sunny day happens in, in April, I think, I think people do. This is why we bring you on it. because you can make those analogies. <laughs> so so i think uh yeah like like you know am, am i uh thinking either of those guys will be on the the whatever october 5th 7th 10th whatever it is opening night roster next year um 
maybe Coronado, doubtful for Wolf. I think they go back to the same duo. I, I, but I do think that he is, he's certainly making it, he, he's, he's getting his, himself into that conversation where at some point, I think this is my, this is just, you didn't ask, but I'll give you my opinion on, on how this plays out. <laughs> Um, I asked you to come on to give me opinions. So you're fine. You, you roll with the two guys that you had. You you go back to um, 60-40 maybe, like 60-40 split. Um, I, I don't think you'd go give marks from the first 10 games. You've got a, a guy in Vladar. You need to get back to using him. And, and you kind of see where it goes. Uh, you have Wolf playing again um, twice a week. Um, or three times a week in Calgary in the AHL. So you got to keep him playing. He's, mm-hmm. he's not going to become the starter just at the snap of the fingers, right? So you got to keep him playing. That he, she needs to be starting somewhere, not backing up. And you see how the season begins. And if he looks and continues to play well, mm-hmm. um, you, you start thinking about, wait, maybe we make a decision here. Um, because as much as it's nice to have – uh, 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 the luxury of having three deep in the, in the crease. If, if, uh, if, if, if uh, Dustin Wolf shows that, yeah, he is ready to turn NHL. Um, you, you can't, you, you can't hang on to depth everywhere. Like at some point you have to just kind of, and if, an, if you have an injury, then you might have to, you know what I mean? Like you, you then go get another. Well, who do, like who, you can't always have a, a backup plan and Wolf, good like let's keep wolf in the minors just in case we get an injury at some point you're going to have to promote him so maybe that's halfway through the season next year maybe you flip ladar if he's having a decent year to someone for a third round pick so so for old guys like you and me who's wolf who does wolf remind you of right now well, for old guys, like all the goalies we grew up watching. None no, of but, no, no, but who? as soon as I say it, you're going to go, that's the smartest thing you've ever said in your entire life. That As soon uh, as I say it. Vernon. What do you mean? That is the smartest thing I've ever said in my life. Holy cow. Oh, well, that may be true. Oh, wow. <laughs> you don't see it? Um... They're smallish goalies that are athletic, that the expect, you know, I'm not sure the expectation necessarily was there, but Vernon came up in the middle of a season and kind of rolled and never looked back. And I think Wolf, I don't think Wolf is going to ever start out of the gate here. I think he's going to come up in the middle of a season and he's going to roll and never look back. Yeah. Yeah, it could, it could happen. Like, and that, that could be the way it plays out. If the goaltending is struggling, if, if they get the, the year they got this year, from the tandem, then yeah, that could be November when that happens. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, but no, but in terms and, of how it could all play out, yeah. yes, I understand that. But so. but also because I've done this long enough to know that nobody escapes, you know, the wrath, as it were, of a fan base or a media base or whatever. And I'm I'm already prepared for it. Watching that game against San Jose on Wednesday or wherever it was, I'm already prepared. What's today? Yeah, Friday. I'm already prepared for it that, you know, he might win Vesna after Vesna after Vesna. He might win a con Smythe, but he's going to have a bad game and somebody's going to call a sports talk show somewhere and go, he's too small. Right? Am I wrong? Right? That he's going to have, and I hate it, but that's the reality of the world we live in right now. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is because it's it switched so much. Like I remember doing a piece on this, uh, and it was maybe it might have been when they drafted him actually. So okay, it was probably about three four years ago. And yep. I, and I went back and I did the research, and 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 it's completely flipped. So I'm just going to use ballpark figures, but it mm-hmm. was something like there were four or five guys taller than six foot. And now there's only four or five guys less than six foot. It's it's completely sure. flipped, right? Yeah. Where where I think it was like Michael Ute, Tom Barrasso. There was a few guys that were, but those guys were giants. Giants, like yeah, six yeah. foot, six two, one or six two, three. yeah, yeah. And and, and now, um, you know, and and you you just can't get away. And what I think gives you reassurance that it can be done. Is 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 the kind of year that UC Soros had in yep. Nashville because sure. that's always been the comparison. I remember first development camp. That's exactly what Jordan Sigalet said. Is yep. This is yep. he. There's there's so many similarities. That's the guy. And so at that time, UC Soros. What was he? Well, he was a guy trying to break into the NHL. He was. This was four years ago. He's trying to. Can he be a good backup? Well, not only that full-time starter and only that a workhorse right so 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 those are reasons to believe that that you know maybe it's not as much of a unicorn as you think to have this guy an inch taller like where does he get drafted just even looking at the credentials that draft year if he's one inch or two inches taller like second round oh easily he might yeah he might have snuck into the first yeah and 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 you're and we're not we're not saying for a fact. You're absolutely right. Like you are absolutely right. And he cut. And he what went within four bodies of not even getting drafted. Yeah, right at the very right. end, right at the last, and 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 the credentials were were off the charts. But so so it's funny. It's been interesting to follow because you know you 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 say wow well, junior, you know like see how so it goes back and he does it again. Okay, well pro let's see how that goes and in that first that, that first game at the saddle home in the with the canvassed off seats and, and the oh i and i called it in. i called it man like here he comes oh my <laughs> god like rich clune scored um yeah no no but then like within a game or two he was you know standing on his head spinning around with spitting wooden nickels like yeah. he was you could tell he was special like you and could really tell he's special and he did it again and he did it again that that's what i mean like you know it's almost in a way we had marco carducci on from the the cavalry a couple days ago there's another keeper right and he was talking about you know not definite but he thinks he you know if he wanted to he could have got a a a contract with an mls team but he would have backed up means you wouldn't have played and if you don't play you don't develop and, you know, you get talking about that soccer, you almost wish you could loan the kid somewhere. Like, you know, yeah. loan him to Chicago. Let Chicago have him for a year. Yeah. Right? But you can't, you won't, and it doesn't matter. Um, thought on Coronado quickly, because it was only one game, but he just looked like he belonged. He, he You know, if, you, if I had, had just started watching it and I would have had a list of questions for you, my, one of my questions would not have been how many games does this kid play? Yeah, no, I, I think you, you know, I, again, I, I even, you know, I think it's, it's so dangerous. It's, it's a first impression. It's, it's sure. game 82. Mark Jankowski for, scored four goals in a game 82. Um, you know, like things can happen in game 82. Yes, <laughs> but Sven Berchi scored in what, five games straight? And, and, you know, you could tell he was, you know, it was by, it was by accident. Yeah, he wasn't dominating. He just happened to score, right? Remember that start? 
Yeah, I do he, he did it, not it, look. It, dare I say it was sensational. It was sensational, <laughs> or yeah, or Roman Chervanic Ch- or uh, uh, Cervanka, Cervanka. Oh, oh yeah, right. When when he became when he was no longer the best uh, the best hockey player outside. outside the NHL, and when we found out he was scared of really strong breezes. Um, yeah, those guys you could tell like they just it wasn't long term for them. I'm just saying, you know. He, he looked okay. Questions, right here's yeah. a guy that that had the the puck on a stick uh, quite a bit, and 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 did and looked comfortable and looked like he loved to carry it and mm-hmm. just blast through the neutral zone with confidence. I mean, you when you you go into a new league and you're a new guy on a new team, you're sometimes deferring. You're yeah, but no, he he seemed to be around it. Um, he can fire it, and and that's like he's got a skill set that. They were so badly needing needing all year. Not to say that he's going to deliver that next year, but that's you remember when 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 Kachuk fell to the flames and that was the kind of the exact type of player they needed. Yes. That they needed and he checked all the boxes. Yes. Well Coronado is 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 when he's ready. And, and that might be October, that might mm-hmm. be January, uh, maybe it's October twenty twenty five. But whenever he's ready, he, right. he's a guy that has the the toolkit of this the the from the pure scorer right shot like that's what they need. So so they'll be kind of anxious for that skill set to arrive because it's going to boost the lineup. Um, when you get your own show with your name in the name bar, you know when you rip off David Letterman and steal his stuff. Um, you have the opportunity to go on rants every once in a while. And I feel like I've ranted on this a couple of times, but I'm not sure I've ever been pushed back on it. And maybe you don't want to push back on it. But I go back to the beginning of this conversation and the 24, um, you know, overtime shootout games, the graphic Gavin put up about, you know, third tied for the third most one game, uh, one goal. Uh, there you go. One goal losses in, in, in a season. That's amazing. Um, I really think the mistake this year was Matt Phillips. I really think that, and, and that's an awful lot to put on a rookie. That's an awful lot to put on a guy that has never proven it game in, game out in the National Hockey League. But I really believe that that was there for them. Uh, his games in Toronto and Montreal, he did not look out of place. They scored on a power play, which he was part of. Um, I think if he, given some runway or given some time, I, I think he could have made a difference for this club. But, you know, and this is it leads into another question about, you know, utilization. But am I, do you feel at all anywhere close to what I'm saying? Or, or do you think it's, you know, again, unproven rookie, you can't really, can't really make a statement like that? No, I completely agree. And, and I will say, yeah, you know, right? He hasn't improved himself at the NHL level because you know what? You can't. If you don't get a chance to prove yourself yep. at the NHL level, yep. that's the that's the the opportunity that didn't really present itself. Two games, modest ice time in each, hundred um, percent. Like you, know, I will, I will. I'm sitting here today saying I don't know. I, I'm I'm not going to say he could have been Marty St. Louis or or he will be Marty St. Louis. He's not built anywhere like Marty St. Louis. But could he be an NHLer? I think he can be. I, I'm not prepared to say for sure he will be, but I guarantee you, 
I don't know that what he is. And that two games did not tell me. It did not tell me yes. It did not tell me no. Um, he needed more time. This There was certainly opportunity to do that when, when again, they're – like if you had 40 more goals, 20 more goals, uh, the season's still going, right? Mm-hmm. And there was opportunities in mm-hmm. that lineup. But, mm-hmm. but he didn't He didn't fit the, the stereotype of what a fourth-line player should look like. And um, under, you know, the, the, the person that's, that's making the drawing up the lineup card. And I, I think that worked against them. And I, I think it's a, it's an old, it's an old dying version of what the fourth line should look like. Yep. I mean, I think there's one thing if Matt Phillips is 20 years old in his second year pro and yep. you want him playing 20 minutes a night, but yep. at some point when he's in year five or year four, you know, let's, let's move on from that. So if, if he's only playing nine or 10 minutes a night and it's in the NHL and you have a chance to put him out in overtime on a power play in a shootout and, and you're bringing some energy and some chance to score for the fourth line, that's okay. Like he, he, it's okay. You're not ruining his development. That's helping your team at those nine or 10 minutes. Right. I agree. So yeah. It, it's uh, you know, but the, this, this, there's never been a history of, of, of small guys, um, having much success, um, you know, uh, it, it, under Daryl Sutter. If you look at... The Johnny Gaudreau had his best season Los ever. Los Angeles. Right? Yep. Johnny Gaudreau had his best season ever. And and it's not like you were trying to bring him into the lineup with Johnny Gaudreau. And, and I know it's the, it's, this, it's the Dustin Wolf, Paul Byron, you know, uh, we, Nathan Gerby conversation. I get it. I understand it. But maybe I should do it this way, Darren. Maybe... Maybe that's just a reflection of what I think is a bigger issue here. And before we get into Daryl and GM and all of that, before I took this show, I wasn't really active a lot on social media with hockey and stuff like that, but the Pelche stuff bothered me. So I just put out a tweet, and I just said, look, all due respect to Daryl, he's won two Stanley Cups. I appreciate that. But I think part of the job of a, a National Hockey League coach nowadays is you also have a responsibility to develop young players. And Daryl does not like Daryl does not agree with that. No. No. And and I got a little bit of feedback. Well, you know, Daryl, you know, but I think it's about change. And I think when Daryl was here in 0304, yeah, I get that. Okay, but they didn't have anybody to develop. Now, I they're gonna they're gonna be up there. They not they, but fans of the media are going to remember Valimaki, gone yep. for nothing. Yep. It's not out of the realm of possibility Connor Mackey won't play every day. If Not out of the realm of possibility. Yep. Um, you know, Pelche didn't sat in the press box for six, six days. Why? Or six games. Why? Because the coach was trying to send a message to Jim, don't force players on me. Mm-hmm. Like, and then Matt Phillips, Daryl, you know, we can make criticisms of, of Daryl, and I like Daryl. I don't know why I have to do this every single time, but I almost feel like every time you say something bad, you have to... I like Daryl. Daryl's a good guy. I have no problem with Daryl. But I don't agree with this idea that he does not have a responsibility to develop young guys. Yeah, and I think I would say that the need to do that has evolved yes. as the salary cap has become a thing in the way salary cap usage has become, right. where you now need 
players on 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 modest contracts on 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 entry level contracts to be in your NHL lineup sooner and contributing. You need that because yep. you have money invested in star players and other players, veterans throughout your line. So, so where if you were to go back to, let's say, 2012, 2013, 2014, and those successful teams with the Kings, yep. I would suggest that it wasn't quite what it is now where you could keep guys and, and prospects in the minors longer. And you didn't quite have that same disproportionate kind of salary layout. Right. right. So you need to get guys and, and, and the average age of the league is coming down. You just have to look over yeah. the fence at everybody else. Right. Sure. So, yeah. So, so I completely agree with you and, and you're right. He does not believe that he's said that before he, mm-hmm. he even, you know, like he, he wants them to be developing in the minors, but I don't think that's the, a luxury of the, of today. Yeah. And uh, especially with, with those guys that, that, that are gifted and are close and are that close, you know, that's going to get them to that next level. And, and let's just face it. He could help that team. He was not your 13th best player. That's why he wasn't sitting over the last three weeks. Right. Like the, he, you could tell like the, the, the jump that he had the, and, and all the, you know, I, I've become a big Pelche fan and just how he plays the game, how he approaches the game and just the, the infusion that he brings into the team. You just, you could see it. You, and you've seen it throughout his, when he was with team Canada and, and, mm-hmm. and hugging all the players after they lost gold, right? Like there's a, there's a lot of character. There's a ton of character there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in that character, you're really muzzling it when he's in the press box, right? right. Like, Yep. Right. Yeah. And I think, and I think just in, you know, this is maybe me creating something that, but I feel like the, the, from what we heard um, after the, from the players after that, that 82nd game, they talked about how fun it was for them to see, like they, they kind of got a rise out of these, the enthusiasm and the, the injection of that youth, right? Like yeah. on this team down the stretch, they needed all those things. They needed positivity. They needed some fresh legs. They yep. need, and it was it was to roll out those same eighteen skaters time <laughs> after time after time as they look fatigued. They look beat. Um, that that is another thing I look back on as as a. I think it's a mistake. Like I think they missed the blown opportunity there to really use these guys to kind of provide a little bit of injection. The forgotten guy in all of this. And there's no update, um, you know. Of course, we're th- we're thinking about him, and, and we you know we all want it to work out. But Oliver Shillington misses an entire season. Um, how much did they miss Oliver Shillington this year? Yeah, you know he, you know, you know to think about <laughs> like that, and that's actually one of the more you know for all the conversation we just had about about younger players and smaller players he actually was a guy that found a way to get into the coach's good books and got into the top 4 like a, yep. a real testament to yep. to Oliver Shillington yep um so yeah you 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 look at how far his game grew last season mm-hmm. and uh and 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 like for any young hockey player like the confidence that we would have brought into this season um, absolutely, that would have been a, a great figure to have. Again, just from 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 moving the puck up the yep. ice, from jumping up into the rush. Um, you know, I think as Oliver was adjusting to, you know, we all saw him mature in terms of 
less giveaways, less mistakes, bad pinches, whatever. That there was a real concentration on his defensive game. But as he settled into that top four role, and I think going into this season, had he been available, I think you would have seen that offensive side start to come back again. Yeah. Because it, yeah. it became a lot more that defense that becomes such a especially in this coach, you don't want to be caught with that, you know, with kind of skirting your responsibilities defensively, right? So Absolutely. I think this could have been a real a real good season for Oliver Shillington. And and again, that's when we say they were a goal shy, it doesn't have to be forwards that missed out. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, there were some guys that had some down seasons, but a little bit more active from the D, a little bit more jumping up in the rush. That's creating, whether they're scoring, whether they're setting up, it's just an extra wave. And they certainly had the wheels to do that and the wheels to get back, right? Like that was such a fun player to watch. Oh, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Um Darren, you kind of alluded to it. Uh, today was Green Garbage Bag Day, the the emptying out of the lockers, the exit meetings, and the last media meetings with the media. Um, now, I, I, now, you know, they brought up the podiums. I'm not sure if there were one-on-ones afterwards or whatever, but um, I, I, I don't know how I, I, I don't know how I feel necessarily about some of the information that comes through these things. But a couple things caught my attention, um, and I'm sure they did too to you too. Uh, Rasmus Anderson was asked about, um, you know, the in, the injury that he suffered after getting hit on a scooter in, in Detroit. I was a little bit surprised. Like he came out and said he's not right. He's not right. Hasn't been right yeah. since then. Yeah, yeah, and uh, remarkable because he he. Um, I mean, I think this this this. You know, we, there's a lot of talk about who could be a future captain. Uh, I, I'm a I'm, I'm a big Rasmus Anderson fan. I just yep. I feel like he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, um, I think he's a straight shooter. I think he, you, I think he's got all the qualities. Um, and and yeah, and just to hear him talk about how how yeah, like just in playing in pain for two months and came back too early and was just really honest about that. Um, and that hurt this team because because this is this is a guy that's emerging into a, an elite defense mm-hmm. absolutely uh, he, 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 25 minutes a night uh, both sides of special teams um you know the confidence when he goes start spinning with that puck around the offensive zone the, the vision yep. like he, and and so to know what he must have fought through just to kind of try and help and try and contribute down the stretch yeah that that was i that did certainly catch my eye as well and, and you hope that it sounds like it's it's more of a he just needs a really good long rest and i guess missing the playoffs will will help that uh, but no surgery no anything like that but just uh, to kind of get the body feeling right again it's, and just uh, i think we don't i don't think any of us really realize or know you, you start to hear bits of it but how frightening that was right when he said you know, he was, he was as happy to be alive when he woke up in the hospital. Like that's scary. Yes. That's absolutely, absolutely. It is. Um, fellow countrymen, the other guy that kind of caught my attention was Michael Backlund. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's a lot of reading tea leaves and I know there's a lot of trying to interpret, you know, pauses and things like that. Um, to me, it's the line about, I want to win a Stanley cup. I've, yeah. I've heard that before. I've heard that before. Um, it does not sound to me at this day, at this day and time that he expects or wants to be here. And I, and I don't mean wants to be here in the sense so that he's being, cause he, he should have been their captain. He had his best year. You're the one that pointed it out. Like, you know, how disappointed he was yet. He had his best year, right? Yeah, no, I, I, um, that, that did again, um, 
uh, stick with me for sure. Very noncommittal. And, and I can't, you can't blame him. Like, this is why, this is why they play the game. And, and he's talked about that over the years. Like you, you just want to, mm-hmm. it, it's very similar. He's on a very similar flight path in that regards to Mark Giordano, who's a good friend of his. Like yep. they both live in the same area, longtime Flames fan. And so, you know, you, you know that the same thought process is going through his mind, you know, you know, I'd love to be, you know, yay, I could be the most played, you know, the longest serving Calgary flame, but that is way down the list on life priorities than winning a Stanley cup. Like that's is what these guys are going for, or just to have a nice long playoff run. So, yep. so yeah, that's the, there, there's, there's a few reactions today that to me, yeah, there's a lot of not just, not just the the pundits like you and I, not just the fans peeking over the fence. There's a lot of eyes on what's going to happen in this front office because there seems to be a lot of wait and see um, what will happen. Do I consider resigning? Do I need to go somewhere else? What does the future look like? It, it, it sets up a fascinating conversation, but I, I don't blame Michael Backlund. You know, and this is a, a game you're getting younger and younger all the time. And, and he, what, just turned 34, is turning 34. He's, he's going the other direction, right? So he's, he's, he had a great season. Yep. And, um, you know, and, if, and if, if Calgary's window is looking like it might be three years down the road, I can see why he would want to go somewhere else where that third year down the road is actually next year, like somewhere where he can be, you know, before his, you know, clock starts ticking. Well, and, and I think a lot has been made about not necessarily this year's group of free agents because it's it's not that extensive, but it's the group that's coming yeah. up next year, and and having just been wounded by not, you know, not being able to do anything with last the last version of this, you know, what is going to happen this summer? Um, and I'm particularly trying to drag my feet. I know this is a podcast, and therefore we're not supposed to do things that are time specific, but you know, we have not heard from the coach, we have not heard from the GM. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what did you make of the report by Friedman yesterday that there may be, you know, there may be some decisions already made? Well, you, you feel like there is something to happen. Like, it, it does feel like, um, you know, I think about Brad, uh, for living, you know, it's been a grind for him. And I think he's done, like, he's just, he, he, he's, done a lot there he is he is he is he is he has done a lot for this team in terms of building up the the scouting department and 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 his drafts when you look at go back to 2015 when he kind of settled into that chair Mm -hmm. uh, have been good the the way they develop players there's 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 a lot of success stories there i wonder if he's just at the point now where professionally personally you know sometimes these these guys become a little more willing to shift locations when their family's older, you know, like you become a little bit more yeah. able yeah. to move around, right? Yeah. Like the, yeah. I mean, you, you, you think about how Michael Stone answered that question today. He doesn't, he loves Calgary, wants to stay here because all his kids are playing little league baseball and go to school here. Like, but yep. this is not the case. The, the GM and the kids, the kids are older now. Yep. You know what I mean, yep. I think, I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds himself a, a, a different job that just to maybe he needs a little bit of a, a fresh start and I don't, I, he won't have problem finding work. So, so I, I do wonder about that side. And, and the other thing that I think about the coach is I just go back to Bob Hartley. This, there's a little bit of a, do you get this comparison or, or this feel? You think about 2015, mm-hmm. Bob Hartley, mm-hmm. the, the team overachieves, mm-hmm. 
overachieves. A lot of career seasons have overachieved. They go into the second round, mm-hmm. huge expectations, come back the next year. It's a failure. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that year, what happened? They had to let go from Bob Hartley. Just he lost the lost the team, right? Yep. They couldn't yep. they couldn't bring him back. Yep. I I just wonder what what those conversations are like today about the coach and and in this day and age where the power of the player like how loud will that speak and and is that a change and 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 gotta love tyler Toffoli, who's known daryl for a long time and 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 that's one of his guys and he plays well under them you know that's not a unanimous voice in there there's there were some struggles there were some struggles um you know and and to me Darren, it's it's more, you know. Again, I'm allowed to sit on the soap or stand on the soapbox and make comments sometimes on my own, and and I don't get pushed back on it. So I'll give you the opportunity to do it. You've covered this team for a long time. '88, you started. No, still in school in '88, but '89, uh, '90, right after they won the Stanley okay. Cup, because they looked at me as the jinx. Because in my first 15 years, they never won a playoff. Right, you were the jinx for the first 15 years. Um, but you've done this for a long time. If you pull back to 30,000 feet and look at this organization, uh, I, I, I am stuck on the fact that Daryl Sutter at 403 or 404 games over two stints is the all-time leading uh, coaching or games coached for this organization. Only the Florida Panthers don't have a coach who's ever got to 400 games, Right. You know, it's it's that kind of inconsistency. Um, you know, I, I was talking about my opinion, and I, I can't stress this enough. My opinion is I've never believed that this was a hire directly by Brad for Living. I believe this was an ownership hire. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. Um, not pushing back on that. Yeah, right. And now, hey, you know, I think there's a bunch of coaches in there that are Brad's hires and they didn't work out. Gulletson, Peters. Yeah. Peter, Peters is an interesting one because who, who knows where that would have ended up if yeah. he was a good person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and, and then Jeff Ward. I just, I look at it more like this organization in many ways needs an entire reset. It's, yeah. it's a middling organization. It, it's, it is very risk adverse. They, at times, they have such creativity in their organization, but they don't allow it to happen. And they don't want to offend, and they don't, and they don't, and they don't, and they don't. What are they really, really good at? Their foundation? Sure. Their alumni? Awesome. And I think they have some bright people. But if you look around the league, what do you say? Well, the Calgary Flames do it better than anybody. I don't know. Right? And you've seen this. I mean, since 89... 04 was a bit of a an anomaly, right? It just seems like it's fair to Midland all the time. Again, you have to fail sometimes. I get that. You can't win every game. I get that. Outside of some of the new teams, the new um, expansion teams, what team hasn't had the opportunity to pick first overall in their city? Calgary, right? Never pick better than fourth, right? Yeah. The guys up the road play, picked fourth or first four times in six years. Including, yeah. including the best player of our generation. Um, it just, it almost seems like we're all middling and we're all worried about that, the down below where maybe we ought to take a step back and, and look at the whole thing and not blow it up. I'm not saying that, but how much, because did Mackenzie Weger not actually call out the building today? Yeah, completely. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And that they do not like that. They've never liked that. They never like players talking about stuff like that, right? Yeah, I, I I feel like, but how much do you think is this ownership's vision? Like 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 like, and, and maybe and maybe maybe they the GM wants to have a plan, but maybe maybe he can't sell that because there's this belief. There's a there's a belief. I sense that there's a belief that 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 fans want this team to be a contender every year, and and I feel like like when you've long enough tried that and it's not working, I think there's a, an understanding that, that, uh, you know, you may have to be bad for a few years, but if it means young guys, you know what I mean? Like, like that, that what's the blueprint, come up with a blueprint. And if, if that's, that's, uh, you know, a reset, a cleaning house, and it's to say, you know what, we're going to get good for 2026, 2026 yep. or whatever yep. it is, yep. like, like have a bit of a plan yep. this, because this trying to, trying to get in, trying to get in, trying to, and there's always good reasons for it. Oh yeah. Now you have Markstrom. Now you have this, but that if you so, have a plan, then that would drive the, the, the personnel decisions rather than the personnel decisions driving the plan. Right. Right. I look, I go back to the Mike Russo column in the athletic this year, the, the Jason Zucker trade. And Mike Russo wrote it. Flames couldn't consummate it because nobody could get a hold of Murray Edwards. <laughs> that's not you or me. That's Mike Russo. Mike Russo wrote that. Yeah. Right? Um, the fact that Jay Feaster was never allowed to say rebuild. You can't use that word. We've, we've heard, we've heard uh, uh, unnamed people in the front office talk about how hard it even is. A little bit of sarcasm here to hire someone to sell popcorn at the side alone. Like, you know, like that's, it's just, you know, you, that's, that's, you, you get the feel that like everything's kind of complicated. And, and that's where, again, I look at, at the GM and how at some point it just got to wear on you um, when, when that's kind of, um, so, so well, do we see a full reset? Like, are we thinking, could this be a whole new, and if they, if they go that direction, what I will say and and you talk about the the, the number of coaches that mm-hmm. have been like the carousel. Mm-hmm. Um, you you never brought in a sixty four year old guy or sixty three year old when he came in. That that wasn't going to be the solution to the carousel because he was sixty three, right? Yeah. Like that's not. But they have they have some candidates. They have two candidates in particular that jump out to me. Ryan Huska. He's got the he's got the junior resume. He's got the AHL resume. He's got AC and the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also is going to be a departure from what they have in terms of communication mm-hmm. and like very different personality. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so him, and you also have to take a long look at what Mitch Love has done with, um, with, with the AHL team, the Wranglers. I mm-hmm. think there's two guys there that if, if it takes one more switch at coach and to add another, another short, you know, here's another coaching change. At least now you have someone that, that, um, you know, could have some longevity in that role that has some track record that has some familiarity. Um, because you look at some of the other guys and Bill Peters came over from Pitts from um, Carolina, Carolina. Yep. Gullitson came over from, uh, was it Dallas? Uh, wasn't he in, wasn't he in Vancouver? Wasn't he an assistant well, Vancouver, in Vancouver? Like he coached in Dallas. He coached so in Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, so, so we'll see. It, it would not surprise me at all if, if, if this was kind of the tipping point for needing to do what, what, what many have been kind of saying they should have done years ago and, 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 and done a kind of a bit of a reset. So 
you know, we'll see. It's uh, it's tough. It's it's interesting. Um, yeah, no no coach, no GM talking today. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and we did, you know, we have seen some change. Dallas Akins is out in, in Anaheim. Uh, Burke and Hextall are out in Pittsburgh. It's kind of that NFL Black Monday thing, right? You know, yeah. season's over, so now we're seeing some exits and, and that. Uh, uh, it's, yeah, it, it so many create Now, it's going to be fun, I think, to watch the Wranglers. I, I'm happy that there's, you know, the Hitman lost out, but there's going to be the Wranglers around, Um that's going to be really interesting to see how that impacts the conversations around here. Cause now the attention is going to be on those young players and you know, people are going to, I've seen this movie before where they watch them go through a long playoff run and they begin to over evaluate or whatever. And, you know, assume that they're all going to jump in. Um, oh, by the way, uh, we can add this too. So uh, Peter Laviolette will not be returning to Washington. So um, changes continue, which means there's yeah. going to be opportunities out there, right? Yeah. Yeah, the the thing that's going to be a little different with this um, with this uh, potential Calder Cup run is it's going to happen right under the nose yep. of, of of fans and and everybody like it's right here. It's not going to be, you know, games you're hearing about uh, because they happen in Stockton or or in uh, you know. Abbotsford or, or wherever, right? This is, yeah. So I, I, it's going to be interesting. There's, there's so much, I think, um, you know, excitement, obviously people, I think Walker Dewar looks yeah. like an NHL player yeah. to me just to see him back out um, playing a ton. Uh, Jacob Pelche, obviously this is going to be a real chance for him to, to, to play a ton and, and, and bring all those qualities. And, you know, Dustin Wolf after the game the other night talked about like just his, like just what a big fan he is of Jacob Pelche and, 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 and the player that he played beside for a year was that same player at the NHL level. He, in his one or two day observation, you know, like, yep. you know, so there's guys there that, that are not just knocking on the door that I think are, are on the other side of the door at this point that are going to go back and, 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 and take these guys. And you hope, and you hope, you hope they have a long run just because I think the, I think the city could get into it. I think the fans are, are, are looking at, at those as the, as the rays of sunshine. And um, <laughs> do they want to sit at home and, and watch the Oilers playoff games or would they like to support the, the prospects and see them? I, I think you could get a little bit of a, you could, you, they could, this, I, you know, just, I think it's, it could really catch on in this, this, I think people that have gone to the regulars games, yep. I, in my friend, in my social circles, they've enjoyed them. They've really liked them. And, and I think the crowds are going to grow. And, I do and too. They go. I, think I think they're, gonna I think really they're going to have really big crowds. I really do. Yeah. I think they're going to have really big crowds and I think they're going to impress people. And um, I think it's, it's an educated hockey market. Don't, don't ever kid yourself. People know. And I think they're going to watch, you know, Matt, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm just obsessed. I, you know, and I've already said it. If he goes, if Matty Phillips goes somewhere next year and, and doesn't make an NHL roster, then I've got a big Mia culpa coming. But I, I believe in the kid. I think the kid should have been here. I think you're going to watch him in the playoffs and, and he's going to be dominant. Yeah. And you wonder if the, if that window's closed, like going back to this scenario of, of if there is, a different coach. If there is, I mean, what, what, whatever that landscape looks like, is there, is there something that could move the needle enough where, where uh, Matthew Phillips decides to do one more year to resign? Well, if you sign him to a one year, if you sign him to a one way, I don't think if you go to him with a, a two way deal here, no. he'd sign, right? Right. But because again, like honestly, I've, I've told this to many people, 
there's a lot of good players in hockey, a lot of good people, let me say, yep. good people in hockey, but I don't know if I've met a, a nicer individual than Matthew Phillips. No, you want, and that's part of it, is you want good things for good people, yeah. right? That's what you do. Yeah. You want good things for good people. You're good people. I want good things for you. Um, thank you for finally making time and, and, and coming on this program. I know it was a hardship for you. Well, not a hardship, but, you know, we had to move some pieces around the chessboard, but I appreciate it. Well, it was, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a pleasure, and, uh, yeah, the, the hockey talk is not stopping. No. As a matter of fact, it might be starting. Yeah. Right? That's, that's the one thing. That's the one thing when you're, when you're in our, our business, yep. if you will. Um, Calgary has is, is never been dull. <laughs> no. Like, no, it is never dull around here. And, and, and just like we just had a season – where where we both agree was one of the weirdest ones. Yeah. I think this offseason stacks up as one of the more intriguing ones in recent memory. I, I worry that if they keep the coach um, and, you know, the GM leaves, that I, I, I'm I, that one worries me about rea- reaction from people. I think he still has a lot of believers and I think there's a lot of people that support him but I I you know we're so conditioned around here after a season like this to to gong a coach right that's just the way it works in Calgary yeah so we will see Uh, yeah I'm just not sure with the amount of of dollars they have tied up in some some pretty important players I just wonder how loud those voices and and that will be in this process still doesn't matter because the voice at the top matters and he's a fan. But he's also a fan of playoff revenue and got nothing this year. And well, and, that, and I think, well, yeah. But maybe, but maybe sometimes you got to stop. Yes. This is a, we got to stop the podcast because if I, if I keep going, we're going to end up in some crazy places. Uh, Darren, as always, appreciate this. It was good to get you on. We'll do it again as the playoffs roll. We, we might even come back and talk about other teams. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. All right, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. There you go. Darren Haynes, everybody, uh, joining us courtesy of the Ski Cellar Snowboard, skisellersnowboard.com. 76 years in business in Calgary, three locations, McLeod Trail by Chinook Center, 17th Avenue Southwest, just off of 14th Street, Bow Ridge Road Northwest by McDonald's at the uh, right at the bottom of the hill from Windsport. We have been live all day today in the Oodle Noodle Studio. They bring the heat. Try the butter, chicken, mac and cheese, Kung Pao noodles, Bangkok Pad Thai classic, vegetarian and gluten-friendly options. Pick up a delivery, two locations, 1244 17th Avenue Southwest, 105 Main Street North in Airdrie. Want to give a shout-out to the Barnburner guys. They've got their... Uh, Playoff pool tonight at Gray Eagle Casino for Kids Sport Calgary. Uh, it's a great event. They've got 16 teams, which speaks volumes about how popular those guys are. They do a great job. And I, I know as someone who's connected to Kids Sport, really appreciate what they're doing tonight. So if you get a chance, if you're part of it, good luck. If you get a chance to go down and say hi, make sure you do. Uh, well, the final mile for us today, uh, we winded up the end of an NHL season that finishes 38, 27, and 17. Just a tip of the hat to uh, some of the people behind the scenes uh, who don't don't get enough credit um led you know they're all friends of mine but uh peter hanlon and and, and sean kelso sean o'brien there's lots of guys uh who work day in day out tirelessly for that team and get very little credit for it uh as well uh, as well 
um, you know, uh, Maddie downstairs who helped and Richard with the ice crew. Uh, there's a lot of work down there. So, uh, I know there's a lot of people and I'm, again, I keep going on lists and if I miss you, it's not intentional, but, um, you know, yeah, it wasn't a great season, but there's a lot of people that worked their tails off this year and deserve a ton of credit for it because they really don't get a lot of recognition. Uh, as well, and I mentioned earlier, it is our uh, Just a Game reading assignment today. The uh, report on sport is out from Jumpstart. I mentioned it only because it's it's quickly, I, I think really we've, we've now given up on governments and national sports organizations uh, to be leaders in this space. They tend to be reactive. Uh, I credit Jumpstart. Um, and and the FL, FGL group for uh, getting out there and getting their nose involved in this. And again, for it, it, it's not just guys like me and other people talking about the the crisis and mental health and youth that we're going through and the important sport can play in it. It's now science. It's data. It's right in there. Monday, I will not be here. Danny Austin will be here. I'll be back on Wednesday. Peter Marr and Brent Cron scheduled to join us. And next Friday, Eric DeHatchek will join us. Back at 1 o'clock, this was an anomaly. Thanks to Akeem Haynes. Thanks to Darren Haynes. I'm Rob Haynes. Thanks to Gavin Haynes. Thanks to Mark Haynes. And thanks to Jack Haynes for making this show happen today. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you.